What's going on, everyone? And welcome to the What You Got podcast, where we talk topics A to Z and everything in between. I'm Jordan Palmer, joined, as always, by Senor Charlie Budd. And today, we're getting a little technical. Recently, actor James Earl Jones, known widely for his work as Mufasa and Darth Vader, signed over the rights to his voice as the Sith Lord in order for it to be reproduced moving forward through the use of AI. These new technological capabilities open up a number of interesting avenues when it comes to the use of an aging or even deceased actor's likeness, and it could have some weighty implications. Looking at it from the top level, Charlie, let's start with the fact that someone's voice can be reproduced with technology. Thinking about that, what you got? Well, Palmer, I do think this has some potentially negative consequences for not just the voice acting industry, but just kind of in general. I think it's kind of creepy in a weird way, but I also do think it has long-term ramifications that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about when it comes to, uh, you know, talent in the future or booking talent for the future. Uh, you know, theoretically, you could have James Earl Jones forever voicing characters, not just Darth Vader, but also just whoever you want, because you know what? He fits the profile. We want him for it. And AI can just create it for you. And then that opens the web of like, well, what's the point of being a voice actor if you're just going to continue with old talent? But what do you got here, Palmer? What are you thinking? I'm kind of feeling the same way, dude. It's very interesting. Uh, just the fact that we're now at a point where someone can talk i guess for a limited amount of time they can capture that sound and the fluctuations in their voice and then recreate it so that they uh actually sound or that a machine sounds like it's them speaking yeah. for the the individual that's very sci-fi for me it's the but power of ai man it's cool it's crazy stuff and we've talked about it in the past and it's a little unnerving and to your point what I'm thinking about is those voice actors or those individuals who could have taken the reins over for someone and moving forward will not because they're retaining the rights to the, the voice or the likeness of an, an individual. And I was reading up on it and found out that the voice that they're using for Vader is not James Earl Jones's current voice. What they've done is just taken his voice from the original trilogy mm-hmm. and they've synthesized it. So now the, the Vader you're hearing is the younger Vader and not the uh, the older one. So it's kind of fascinating with those. Oh, so nuances. they're not even like so they're not even like hiring him to like record new lines. They're just like maybe paying him like some type of licensing fee to use his voice and moniker and stuff like that. And like we use his name as like the voice of Darth Vader, and they're just recreated it all with AI. <laughs> it's so dude. Insane. I think that's. I think that's it. And that's kind of the first thing that really I'm thinking about, because this is multifaceted in that it affects the actors, it affects the studio, and it affects the experience for for the fans. And so you talk about licensing. I'm wondering how he, if he's being compensated for the use of his voice, because James Earl Jones is not a young man. He is 91 years old. Yeah. And so does he get a cut every time they you know use his voice? And will that work if you say dies, which he will eventually? Mm-hmm. Is it every time they use his voice moving forward that they're able to just use it as they see fit? I know in the music industry, you continue to make royalties. I think it's like seventy years after your death, or your. That's like does. I think just typical copyright law, though. I think that's okay. Just, yeah, and like once that expires, I think it's just 
free use or you know if you're disney you kind of bend the rules to kind of keep the copyright of mickey mouse <laughs> oh man, actually i've heard about that i've heard about that. but actually it's a funny thing that you bring that up because in thinking about this so we have the star wars voice of vader but this also encompasses other characters too iconic characters so for disney the voice of Mickey Mouse is actually there's been four voice actors who have voiced Mickey Mouse. I think the most recent one stepped into the role about like 10 years ago. Originally, fun fact for you, apparently it was Walt Disney who was the original voice of oh, Mickey oh wow. Mouse. Yeah, I guess right. That checks out. I guess that checks out. You know? Yeah, he probably was like, you know, trying to save money. So he was like, I'll do it. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm real. But, uh, <laughs> And see, crazy. The crazy thing is, some people can actually do the voice or kind of do the voice. Mm-hmm. So they've had four individuals, and you probably have caught the slight differences in the tonality. But over time, it's I think it's cool because it gives people the opportunity, different voice actors, the opportunity to kind of make the character their own. Like obviously, they keep the the blueprint of Mickey Mouse pretty you know tight. But I think for other characters, it could have a different, a slightly different interpretation. So. Darth Vader has the very, with James Earl Jones's voice, stony, like, very technical, mm-hmm. uh, robotic voice. But who knows if somebody would have kind of played up the like the the darker undertones or mm-hmm. what you could have done with that. I think you're at that point in time stifling creativity a little bit. And we're just and I understand very very iconic voice, hot button topic for some Star Wars fans. But I think that there's an opportunity being missed out on. Yeah, I mean, you bring up an excellent point. Like, yeah, you are going to be losing that kind of human touch, if you will. Like, how much can an AI really create, like, towards a, uh, you know, you know, giving, delivering a line in a specific way that you want it that makes it feel kind of authentic or, as you said, like, has a different creative touch that maybe, like, somebody thought up in the moment that an AI is never going to do because you're going to just tell it what to do. Like, it definitely limits creativity when you talk, when you, like, hear about, um, uh, actors and directors and you know the whole film industry kind of working together you know directors have a vision in their head but they get definitely also you know actors come up with scenes all the time like in certain ways to kind of be a, you know adapting like you know he's like actually i don't really think this character would do that you know they would work with a director or say i have a different idea like you know when i was hearing about the behind the scenes for uh, house of the dragon um matt smith actually had like i, I won't spoil anything for anybody who hasn't seen it uh, but the very last shot of the season one uh, was apparently an idea that Matt Smith, the actor on the show, had completely come up with because he just felt like that was how it was that how his character would uh, portray um, a certain story moment uh, in in the show. So he said, like, you know what? No, I, I want it like they had an original idea. I don't remember what it was. But Matt Smith was like, no, I think um we should do it like this. And that's what they ran with. And that's what aired. Um, so, wow. and like, and that happens all the time with actors, you know, you, you can go to like any behind the scenes kind of uh, footage and you'll hear about like people coming up with certain ideas. Like for instance, in Indiana Jones, when, um, uh, Harrison Ford is like, there's like a guy comes out of like the barrel. He's waving a sword and all that. He just like, he just whips out his gun and shoots him. Um, that was yep. not part of the script. He was supposed to get into like a big like brawl with him, but Harrison Ford, I think, was really sick or really hungover, one of the two, and Classic. he was just like, "I'm not up for this," and just like just had the idea to just like I think Indy would just be like, "No," <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just shoot him. And like if you have and like you take that kind of framework and you 
put it towards like the AI like voice, you're always going. It's always going to be at the behest of one person having kind of the control over what like the voice actor or in this case the AI is going to say in a voice acting role, and you're going to completely lose that kind of creativity that certainly voice actors come up with. Wow, dude, that's a really insightful point because I didn't even think about it. So essentially, do you think that would give the sound engineers kind of the the role of the voice actor in that they're the ones to start deciding on all the uh, the different components? I don't even think output? it's like the sound engineers. I think the sound engineers are going to be at the mercy of a director who's going to be like, mm. no, I need it to sound like this. You know, I need the, the line to be delivered like that. Or whoever's like controlling the AI is just going to be at the mercy. I don't think they're going to have the creative input that like a voice actor would it's it's going to be basically just like one or two directors depending on you know how many are on the project but mm, that's oh dude that's gets, gets my mind like going goodness <laughs> gracious because i mean for an actor especially an experienced one who knows what it's like to take direction knows what it's like to make adjustments on the fly i mean that's nothing but if you're giving it to if, if the director is giving it to someone you know, behind the scenes, a technical worker who has to then interpret that and then make it something creative. I don't necessarily know if it will get the same thing. And unfortunately, at that point in time, I fear that a lot of old characters or and, and even new characters who could find their footing and become very popular might might miss the mark a little bit because of that. So that I think once again, I mean, we've talked about this in the podcast, but it just seems like the, the movie like making industry is just kind of going in this this fascinating but kind of artificial direction, mm-hmm. and I fear what the uh, implications are just in the long run. I know. I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's it, this kind of like this artificial direction. I think just goes outside of just you know utilizing AI to um, you know take over voice acting roles. But uh, we talked about in our franchising episode. I feel like that even has like a sense of artificial like kind of creation to it, where you know Hollywood is just kind of getting into this formulaic thing. Right. Where now we're going to just start churning out projects where we always will have, you know, James Earl Jones playing Darth Vader for 100 years to come as we expand upon our Star Wars universe. Or we're going to have Chris Pratt play like every role in like a movie (laughs) (laughs) Um, because we can. And also, like, you know, I I feel like with the technology of like deep fake technology as well, you're starting to see like, you know, actors just being there to be like a template for like to put like. Like for example, um, Carrie uh, Fisher, wow. dude. I was talking yeah. about that. In Rogue Carrie One. Fisher in Rogue One, they just like plastered her face on like a a, a model, uh, and they're just like, "Yep, there, there she is. That's Carrie Fisher, guys." And also, wasn't Tarkin the the dude like the uh, Sith guy? He was completely like uh, put in there with computer generate computer generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, he was he's been like long dead apparently. Oh. All right, so there you go. Yeah, like, so they, they had pretty good effects, but uh, and yeah, now yeah, that no, now was... they can also just recreate Carrie Fisher all they want because like you can combine the voice that she had from like multiple samples from like any period of her film career, and also just like create like a you know a completely artificial model of what she looked like from any point in time, and just be like, yeah, this is we just recre- we resurrected Carrie Fisher. Yup. Yeah, and I mean it's it's great for the fans like in that moment because if you want to connect the franchises together. So the old and the new, okay, that's how you do it. Just that one quick instance. But moving forward, there's actually a push to make deep fakes, you know, widely available, not only for studio use, but public use as well. So, you know, low budget movie makers can like actually employ the stars that they want to. No, I, 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 I don't know. I am like, call me a pessimist. I think this uh, technology should just be 
outlawed. You're already seeing very nefarious uses of this technology. Deepfakes rose to prominence because of its insidious ways it was being used. Like, it wasn't, like, it was being used to create, like, um, basically faking celebrity sex tapes. That's how it was being created. That's where it was rising to prominence. And, um... Like, I don't know, I think at that point, and, like, it's getting better. The technology is getting better, where it's getting harder and harder to tell if it's fake. You're going to have to create an AI to figure out, the like, it's fake, is the content is being faked by other AI. Mm. And I don't even know what the markers are. I'm not, like, you know, the engineers designing this. I haven't looked at it extensively to see, you know, how it's, you know, how people are catching this kind of software. But I've read articles where, you know, it's just getting better. It's getting ter- more terrifying and uh, we should outlaw it. We should ban it. Well, dude, it's crazy when you watch, like, say, like, uh, I know that Jimmy Kimmel will from time to time do kind of something like that. So make it look like Biden is saying something and then have somebody who can recreate Biden's voice talk. Yeah. Or Jordan Peele actually did that a couple of years ago. They used his Obama voice and they just put his like chin and they used, you know, technology to make it look like Obama was talking. And then he just started talking. People were like, oh, it's, but it's like you said, it's becoming, it's becoming so much better, so much more advanced. Mm-hmm. And so from the perspective of, say, movies like a, like a Gemini Man, for those of you who don't know, that was a Will Smith film in which he was his older self who was like, I guess, an assassin. And he was trying to stop his younger self, who was a clone, and they used kind of the same technology to make him look younger for that, I guess, the model doing that. And then he was playing the older person as well. Um, but, I mean, it'll be, it, it's cool, in my opinion, to be able to do that more smoothly, to be able to have flashbacks. I know Marvel's used the uh, kind of the deep fakes and de-aging people in uh, certain films. And The Irishman did too. But moving forward, thinking about just putting an actor in a film who didn't sign up for it that's mm. kind of scary yeah and so it, it crosses a weird line yep it's 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 and it's it's a line that like you said hasn't even really been invented we don't really know what's what's happening and so i was going to ask the question thinking about deep fakes as well as the rights to an individual's voice do you think allowing actors to sign that away gives studios too much control over their likeness in a way, yeah, I think it does. I mean, like you're basically signing away your identity, right? Like these now the studio can do whatever it wants with what with you, right? Like they can like say you you sign over your likeness, right? And you get royalties for whatever you get. You get paid out of millions of dollars for it. Now the studio can just throw you in whatever movie you want, have you say whatever you want. I mean, granted you are an actor, but like you can be doing like roles that maybe you personally wouldn't have signed up for, but now the studio is just like, well, we have your likeness and now we can, you know, uh, make you, you know, like, I don't know, appear completely like nude in a movie. And you said you never wanted to do that. And like, boom, we did it now. (laughs) Dude, I was thinking about that. Like just seems that, you know, certain actors have boundaries around and they're like, I won't do this. I won't say this, but if they signed it away, couldn't yeah. the studio at that point in time be like, well, you're not actually doing it. And mm-hmm. you gave us the rights to this. Yeah. It also got me thinking, and this is falling into the slippery slope kind of deal. But after so long, after actors have been at it for a little while, couldn't they just more or less sign over their rights and stop acting and then just have the studios basically create movies around their previous work. So they're just kind of chilling bringing in money while 
you know, old computer generated me on a, a model's body, you know, is doing what you wanted me to do in the first place. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's like super passive income, right? Like they don't have to yeah. do anything. They just have to sell their likeness away. It's weird. And they don't have to participate in any movies and then just like they get paid millions. So it's, uh, is it productive? And also like, it, yeah, it completely limits like the, the talent pool too. You're just going to start seeing like the same people in all the movies just because yep. the studio can do that now. Like you're going to see like Paramount is just going to always have like Brad Pitt and like, <laughs> you know like in every movie because like we have his likeness we can he's just the star of every movie like brad pitt's in 12 movies this year yeah <laughs> and like i wonder what actor is really gonna ever really want to do that i feel like actors want to act you know like that's what they want to do you know they don't want to just sit around and not do anything and sell their likeness away um but you know it, it, it's definitely interesting i feel like it's going to be really hard now for you know especially with voice acting which i think is a lot easier to do um, uh, to fake, I guess, to use an AI, not necessarily saying voice acting is easier than acting. I think they're completely different talents, uh, which is why I think it's a little bit depressing when you have like these big animated movies are just hiring like actors like Jack Black and Chris Pratt to just, you know, voice these characters instead of like established really great, uh, voice actor talent, but that's a topic for a different day. <laughs> um, and because uh, voice, like, you know, AI is really good at mimicking voices. It's really good at just, you know, taking samples and creating it to, like, perfect match. It's kind of insane. Um, and I think it's going to just kind of be sad when, like, upcoming voice actors, like, you're always just going to, like, yeah, it's the same concept, but uh, I think that's where it's going to hit first before we start seeing, like, deep fakes of people like, you know, Carrie Fisher in, like, every movie. Um, I think you're going to be seeing you know, uh, you know, James Earl Jones and like 20 different projects because you know, <laughs> long after he's gone, uh, just because, you know, they signed away his rights and nobody's ever going to, um, uh, you know, be able to replace him. Question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and there like was... this can expand to so many people. I agree. I agree. And there was a story floated because you, you talked about kind of just, uh, actors, you know, choosing to kind of just take the role or the studios choosing. There was a story floated not too long ago and I've read multiple accounts. So people have said that the story is true. Some people have denied it. I know that the camp of this actor has Bruce Willis, who's now suffering from, I believe it's a neurological disorder known as aphasia in which there's like a, a loss of the ability to interpret as well as communicate through language. Mm -hmm. um, so he is retired from acting, but there was a story that said that he had given his the, the signed away the rights to um his basically his, his likeness to use as deep fakes and so that there are still going to be movies with bruce willis but he wasn't actually going to be in them and i was like it's interesting thinking about the actors who for whatever reason are unable to continue acting but could still make that income for their families do you think that there's a, a place for deep fakes in, in that regard i mean i still think it has the same like fundamental issues i mean like, yes, Bruce Willis, you know, uh, unfortunate. You know, he can't act. He has to retire from acting. And, like, this is, like, probably a nice alternative for him to make some money for his family to support his family still when he, like, you know, physically uh, can't, um, uh, you know, act anymore. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. For maybe smaller stars, yes. But I feel like Bruce Willis has enough money where he doesn't necessarily need 
to work. I don't know. Um, but I still think it kind of, it, it's like, okay, well, now we have Bruce Willis for how many years do we have Bruce for? Or we can just, like, throw him in a movie and, like, I don't know. I, I, I Personally, I just think, yes, it's unfortunate for that situation. And it's, like, definitely, like, an interesting kind of thought to like say like huh well you know if he can't then we have an alternative for where he can but like is it still satisfying for bruce like i don't know he probably still makes residual money from the movies that he's been in he was a big star in like the early 2000s and like 90s action star you know six cents all that stuff yeah die hard yeah and um he 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 probably still makes a lot of money from those days Probably not nearly as much as during those days, but probably still a decent amount. And he's probably set for life or two, um, you know. And and I feel like this would only really happen for bigger stars who don't necessarily need it. And like, yes, it's a nice way for him to like make some money, um, but like he's not acting; he's not actually doing it. And so I I don't know how like how I mean I think for him it's just like okay yeah sure I'm making money, but I feel like it's a loss of opportunity for other people. Because if you start making this like widespread, like not just for people who are like retired from acting, or even if people are retired from acting, uh, then like you know it kind of ruins like the chance for anybody to really kind of make it in movies. You know, we're just gonna start seeing like the actors of the twenty twenties and or in like the two thousands are just always gonna be the actors of movies from now on. I still think it runs down that gauntlet. Like I think I still think that's the end point, regardless of the situation of any particular actor or their reason for selling their likeness. Yeah. And you raise a good point and something I would love to know or learn a little bit more about is the terms of these agreements. Mm-hmm. Is it you know, you only get my likeness for this role. Do you, I mean, or my, my voice for this role, do you get it for everything? Cause I mean, Disney owns star Wars and Disney owns, uh, you know, Disney. So <laughs> the Lion King, if they have Mufasa coming back, mm-hmm. like they could continue to, like, do they get all of the rights to his, like all of his characters or is it yeah, explicitly I mean, for, is it, yeah. Disney? Is it like, Oh, you can only use it for star Wars or can you use my voice anywhere? You know, like, mm-hmm. I wonder what the, I wonder what it says. Uh, yeah, and I have a feeling it's the latter. I feel like they can just use it wherever because I feel like it's limiting. Because especially in the case of like Bruce Willis, it doesn't sound like they're going to make another Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, or like another Die Hard with Bruce Willis, or maybe they are. But like, I feel like they're like, okay, we get to use you in whatever movie we want. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. I agree. I'm also wondering what the like length of the the agreement is. Yeah, that's a so good point. So is it just like until I die, or is it like after I'm dead, or is it like we get you for seventy years? Yeah, yeah, like the copyright. And then I'm sure that if if that is the case, then you can always find some loophole to extend the length of the contract. I'm almost positive. Yeah. So hmm. it's uh, and you got they're, they're gonna just offer more money if they see it as a successful investment. You know, yep. it'd be like, well, we'll do it again. Re up yeah. it. And then at that point in time, does it fall to like, could you name it? This is getting super technical, but in your will, like mm-hmm. your last will and testament, name an, your heir to have control over the rights to your likeness. I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll pass to his like estate at some point. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah Cause then, I mean, it could, you could create infighting, unfortunately, because a lot of times, you know, sometimes people have larger families and, not everybody wants to do the same thing, and then you just have it uh, kind of get squirrely from there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's definitely a very like you know interesting topic, which is like I don't know, <laughs> a dystopia for me. Uh, of sense, absolutely. Yeah, and no, I, like, I agree. It's 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 dystopian. Uh, I mean, like now you're, it'll be if like this does take off, which I mean, I feel like it's becoming more and more common. Like you know, if Disney's doing it. You're gonna start seeing like very famous and iconic characters first. That's gonna be the first thing going right. Yep. It's gonna be like famous and iconic characters like Darth Vader, uh, Leia, Princess Leia. You know, then it's gonna be like Luke, or you know, they want to create more Indiana Jones movies. Why don't we get the young Harrison Ford back? And like yeah, go back and do like did in the side yeah, yeah missions or you know like let's do Star Wars again with like Luke and like younger versions of them and like having another adventure that they had uh, that was never written in the in the shows or whatever and like it's it's just you know it's gonna start doing with the guy the iconic characters first that's where they're gonna yep. you know start doing this and then over time it'll roll out to. Uh, just like we just want, you know, Harrison Ford in every movie, and so we're gonna get young Harrison Ford, uh, your that likeness. We're gonna sign it over to us, and we're gonna produce like twelve movies. And uh, I will say there is the possibility for it to do some good thinking about that, though. I mean, just based on our last episode again, we were talking about how a lot of studios are unwilling to back projects because you know for one reason or another they want to make sure they're making money, but. Names that pull in audiences, you could mm-hmm. then kind of start using in that regard and without having to pay them. So you could get a little bit more in terms of if you're thinking about an indie yeah, movie. That's that's fair. I am one. Yeah. I wonder if like using the likeness, it must be significantly cheaper to just buy a likeness versus having like the actor in the movie. Right? Oh, I agree. It has to be like significantly also, cheaper. If the studio buys it as a whole and is able to distribute it to like any creator with like under that umbrella, I'm sure that makes it just like such a good investment for them. I wonder then if the unions, like the acting unions, are going to kind of come together and try to bargain for more um, share of it for like utilizing their likeness in these movies. Because that's a good point. You know, I I, like it does sound like it's a win win for the studio to kind of just like we're going to just buy your likeness and just make way more money and not have to pay you as much. But yeah. so the unions are going to probably be like, no, nope. <laughs> no, thank you. And that's why we need them. We need them to keep things in yeah. check. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because they're probably gonna be like, you're getting free money. I mean, you're not doing yeah. anything. We're just using your face or your voice. Yeah, but it's like, but it's my face. It's my voice. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, I mean, that's like another thing that like might be into their contracts already because these, these, these actors are unionized. So um, they might already have their unions like drawing up contracts to get like a fair amount of money from using their likeness in like a movie. Maybe not as much as they typically get, but it's probably, I mean, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah. Because it's hard to know without looking at the contracts, like what they look like. I mean, it's very, very few right now and we're, it is incredibly speculative. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting point. It's definitely something to keep an eye on if like, yeah, uh, you know, Hollywood can maybe do more, you know, ambitious projects, um, even though I still think they can without this technology, because some of these studios have so much money that it's like utterly ridiculous that they could totally yeah. do ambitious projects with big names that they really wanted to. And like, there's no reason that actors don't want to do these types of things, too. Like, you know, there's a reason these actors do like these indie movies. Like, I can guarantee you that like people like Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson 
uh, are not getting paid like what they would normally get paid for doing uh, banshees. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that's a passion project. That yeah, they yeah. probably like signed on with the studio. We're like, okay, we'll do two pictures that you want to do, and, then and they're like drawn one. to the director or like a writer of a project. Like, yeah, it's just like passion project stuff. You know, they made it big, and now they want to do something a little bit more for they them. Want to do? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, oh man, you got me. Jeez, you got me thinking there, bud. Goodness gracious. I was thinking just just direction, and because probably it's we're seeing all these ads for it, uh, Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever, there was, I think, a petition to get uh, Chadwick Boseman's, like, like get him deep faked into on, on top of another actor and just go with the original script, but obviously we all know about his, his untimely demise. And um, then there was this whole question about, well, do you recast the part? Or do you just, you know, move forward and he dies in the universe? And then so in thinking about those kind of unanswered questions or those parts that were starting to come into being, but we never really got to see them play out all the way. Do you think that deep fake would be an option in that regard? Well, my first thought is, like, how much of this script truly had to change to account for him dying? Like, did they not just be like, okay, he died, but we're still going to go with the same story. We're just going to move in his, I think it's his sister. Sorry, I'm not well versed into the lore of, is it his sister that kind of like takes over his role? I I think that's what they're going to ultimately end up doing, but yeah, they, I feel like they could have just they could just do that and keep the original story. You know, like to me, it's like mm-hmm. not a big deal. You just kind of like account for like, yes, it's unfortunate Chadwick Boseman dies, but like you just be like, okay, uh, Black Panther dies, Citrus takes over. We're going to continue with that same story. Maybe add in a couple of scenes and moments, and maybe we change the character slightly to deal with the grief for the loss of her brother in the in the movie. But like, I mean, I'm curious how much it really changed um, because, yeah, I mean, like then it just like, I don't know, because, yes, you could just like deep fake him in and just be like, all right, well, he's continuing to reprise Wakanda this role, forever. you know, Wakanda forever. And then um, he's he's coming back uh, in uh, the next Avengers movie or whatever they do. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Black Panther will return. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I. It's weird for this one. I was super conflicted just because obviously you're like the one character will take over for the other and you can make that seamless. But for those characters that are kind of monumental for people, I think it's, it can be a little bit trickier. So I know a lot of people were like, Oh nice. Like this is the, I guess it was the very first like black superhero movie. And uh, then like it, it just, the dynamic changes when you take that character off the board, like you know completely and then mm-hmm. put another one in his place that isn't him it's his sister i think that there are some things that are, are going to change yeah. a little bit there mm-hmm. so i was like uh i i'm still on the fence if i would have just preferred it to be recast or if i if i like the direction but you know what we're gonna see november 11th people <laughs> november 11th. yeah i guess you'll have to let me know on whether or not like you i mean would you want to recast or a deep fake, you know, or like, yeah. or just go with the third option, which is just kind of neither and just do it without them. So story moves on. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, like, yes, in this particular moment, I think it would be a very short sighted fu- feeling of fulfillment that you got to see Chadwick Boseman kind of recreated for like the sequel to black Panther. But I think in the long term, uh, I don't think that would be a wise decision. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of agree with you there because 
say the acting isn't up to snuff, like we know that he could have delivered, then we'd be like, it wasn't him. It was it was like a computer. And also, so, how does like the people who are supposed to be in scene with him supposed to like react to somebody who isn't there? Like, uh, who, assuming question. is probably just like a body double, probably saying the lines, but like mm-hmm. they're not acting the way they're not seeing how his character is supposed to be acting in that scene. The body double might be doing certain emotions or whatever, but you know, might not be giving it all. He might just be sitting there with the script being like, and this is <laughs> what I say. Next. Ow, you punched me. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> um, so. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, definitely interesting. That's a good point. That's a really good point. <sighs> Charlie, you're making me like question right now. Ha, <laughs> ah, fine, fine, fine. I mean, yeah, it'd be fantastic. And it, it is really unfortunate that he had to pass away. Um, untimely. Very, very sad. Yeah. And I think when it comes to just like the voice recreation and the deep fakes, it boils down to the question of, for certain roles, should they be kept by one person or passed on? And so thinking about franchises, say like a, a James Bond. So we know Sean Connery has passed and we know that I think it's like six or seven have held the the role of Bond. But in the event that say you're starting a franchise or even making it, you know, a classic franchise like a James Bond, do you think that it makes sense to pass the title on to another? Or do you think that sometimes people can be so iconic that they should always be that person i don't think any role is that iconic like you can always like with the case of james bond like i think it's kind of almost a perfect example of like an iconic role being passed between a lot of different actors and you can kind of still go back and be like yeah sean connery he really defined that role but like it's always interesting to see different takes on it like daniel craig was you know is the most recent bond and for me, I mean, might be biased because I, you know, we grew up with Daniel Craig as our James Bond. I agree. But I like, agree. I loved I the way that he portrayed Bond. Like, it was a much more kind of rough, like rugged way versus like the earlier Bonds, which were all very like snazzy and you know, <laughs> like kind of womanized. I mean, like. Yeah, Bond's always kind of like a womanizer, but um, like it was, they were a little bit more flashy, a little bit more like you know wearing the fancy bathrobe. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's just how I see like Sean Connery in a couple of those. Like, but like you know, Daniel Craig's was just like he was a bit of like a you know a smart ass, bit of like rugged, and I just like that portrayal. And that's so different. If like you kept Sean Connery, you'd be getting the same kind of you know performance for all these movies and like James Bond is an iconic role and there's been multiple people who have had their takes on it and I think Bond is a perfect example a to be a counterpoint to the whole mm. deep fake thing yeah I I was thinking that same thing that it could be used to basically turn it on its head but at the same time I mean I feel like you could still pull in an just thinking about from a money-making perspective, you could still pull in, like, say you didn't like Pierce Brosnan's turn as Bond. What if you could recreate the entire movie, but just put in Sean Connery? Like, literally, like, have the two versions and then just flip it. Like, and what if it cost you, you know, like, a couple, like, 10000 And I remember there was, oh, I forget what movie it was. I think it was maybe Nightmare on Elm Street. 
or it was one of the scary movies where they had multiple endings and like you could go to a different theater to watch the alternate ending or whatever ending you wanted. But what if, cool. you know, studios started saying like, which Bond do you want to see in this new movie? And then you could do that and it might cost them maybe like, you know, a couple thousand or however much it costs for each iteration of deep fake, but they could make more money off of that. Some people might see, see the same movie, but with different takes. So you think that's kind of I feel like that will start to loot. Like, I feel like you're going to be able to see through the illusion when like the acting doesn't really line up in the scene, because at some point, like, you know, I think when you look at movies like the star Wars prequels, right. Uh, and you see the behind the scenes and like how like the acting is so different because all they're playing with is a giant blue screen and they have like no other context there's no set being built like there's like the behind the scenes of like ewan mcgregor just like literally in a field of blue screens and he's like (laughs) and it's the scene where he's like dueling um the ah gosh the guy with like grievous yeah grievous yeah and like it's just like you see the behind the scenes and it's just blue screens everywhere like there's no one else on (laughs) stage with him he's just by himself and they're like okay now you gotta act it all out and like what do i work with (laughs) your imagination He's almost going to kill you. You run, run. And I think that's like going to be something. I, I feel like you're going to lose chemistry by utilizing deep fakes mm. in that way. Because, like, you know, Pierce Brosnan had a way, like, a take. And there was, like, a chemistry in the way that he, like, portrayed it within the scene with, like, his co-stars. Right? And if you start substituting, like, Sean Connery, the AI might not be able to pick up on that. Or, like, Daniel Craig or whatever. And you just start substituting those in. You're just, like, I don't know. You're going to probably lose some chemistry that was there even if you personally didn't like you know like whatever your take on pierce brosnan is you're going to still lose out on some chemistry <laughs> I like pierce brosnan. not to throw I him had, under the bus just i had <laughs> i had nothing i have nothing against his performances it just wasn't yeah, you know it wasn't the best <laughs> Ooh, hot take what I mean, that's not a hot that. take yeah. i mean come okay. on i know he's not sean connery i mean i think he's underrated i think some people give him a lot of heat for his portrayal of bond but I, yeah it's hard to be a bond i think in the modern age <laughs> he was like on the cusp of modern modern bond versus like kind of the throwback bond so he yeah. did a little bit of everything mm. but okay thinking about the hypotheticals here say they somehow overcome the chemistry thing and they're able to create movies using deep fakes or uh, recreating an individual's voice and make it seem like it was actual perfect acting and you could not tell the difference. Would you care? Would you be upset that it wasn't the genuine thing or would you just go with it? Um, I don't know. That's, that's tough. I, I like, if I knew going in, that was a deep pick. I might, might not go see it uh, just period. Um, mm. because you know, I want that authentic authenticity, um, but like, I don't know, some people would probably really like that, you know, just being able to see their like favorite actor and stuff. Um, I still like, will go with my argument that it's limiting for potential future actors to kind of have their takes on specific iconic characters. Um, but they, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I would personally like that, but I don't think I would see it. I don't think I just out of, and but even if I did, I, I feel like I probably wouldn't notice, to be honest. If it's that good, I probably wouldn't notice. Okay. Okay. What about you, But Palmer? So you're – so just wait, sorry. Conclusively, you're not so much for that, even if you couldn't tell? 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I'm kind of in the same boat. <sighs> Although mm-hmm. there is, you know, certain matchups that I would love to see. Um, I know specifically thinking about one that was almost but never happened. Um, it was going to be Marlon Brando and um, Sidney Poitier. They were supposed to do, or they're talking about doing Othello with Sidney as Othello and mm-hmm. then Marlon Brando as Iago. And bro, I would have watched if they somehow do that. I would watch that. I would watch it just to see. But it's it's it would be tricky. Because you know the greatness of these individuals in life. Mm-hmm. And now they're both deceased. And so the question becomes, am I watching the genuine article? Like truly like what they would have done? Or am I watching just what a computer thinks they would have done? And now I'm taken out of it. It's kind of like that old, uh, I don't even know if it's a parable. But when thinking about a ship, right? If I have a ship in a museum... And I take out three boards and I put in three new boards. You'd say, okay, it's still pretty much the same ship. But if I took it out piece by piece, just putting in, you know, a new board every now and again to the point when it's all the pieces have been removed. Is it the same ship or is it a different ship? I think that's kind of the way to look at what deep fakes are ultimately going to do to the industry. If you just go off of creating solely deep faked movies yeah i i do think you'll never i don't think an ai will ever be able to fully create like what an actor would actually do in that moment like it's gonna have its own take it's gonna have its own mind it's gonna it's only gonna be learning based off of previous performances or you know inter- like any previous performances of these actors right and mm. like and then it's gonna create um, that based on previous performances, it's not going to be like whatever, like special take that, you know, uh, Marlon Brando or, uh, Sidney Portier would have, if they did that movie authentically. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I like, you know, knowing how neural networks are trained and stuff like the, you know, I'm sure the technology is going to get better, but like, it's only going to be based off like the, the way that they're trained is based off existing data. Like you, they can't, yeah. They can't like you can't know put in any new information. Yeah, I mean they can create like new information, but it's based off of a set module of data. You know, I see what you're saying. So it's interesting to think about. Okay, so they compile all all of their actual footage, and then they create a movie. But what an actor would truly do was you know do the role, learn from that, so they're con- continuing to stockpile new information. At that point in time, would you have the AI learned off of the other like deep fakes movie, or would you keep every new instance of that individual or that AI for that specific person based off of solely their living work, or would you have it evolve to like a person would? I mean, like I don't know. If you start giving it like AI creations, I feel like you know it will break down. I don't know. I'm not like. Uh an expert on yeah. the engineering of neural nets, but like um, the, uh, to me, I feel like it has to be like authentic. Like otherwise, you know, if you start training an AI utilizing fake data, well, like fake in the sense that it's just other AI created data, then I feel like you're kind of losing the actual authenticity aspect of it because I don't know. I, I, I like, 
I feel like it's going to be starting to degrade over time if it's always going to be utilizing deep fake data versus just like the actual performances of these actors during when they were live in their actual movies uh, because, uh, you know, that was actually them and not something that a computer created for a role that they've never done. Like, you know, they're going to come like actors like computers only can only train off of like, you know, previous knowledge, right? Like uh, previous experiences and like humans are the same way, but like unlike a computer, which is just basically AI is just, you know, linear algebra and, you know, calculus um, and uh, <laughs> math. just math numbers, baby. <laughs> um, you know, we uh, like an actor is going like if they were alive and they were to do that role, like they're going to read that script. They're going to have their own process of developing how they want to portray it. Right. Like no AI is going to be able to do that unless it somehow has the information to like get inside their heads to learn their method of acting. Like, and maybe that that Mm. is possible out there, but it's going to be somebody who's manually punching that in. Like, this is how they like, from what I've heard kind of thing secondhand information not directly from the actors themselves and even then i don't even know if they have that information that that's we're entirely speculation territory but um it's uh like interesting but like i i just don't think an ai is gonna be able to capture like you know maybe there's an idea that marlon brando would have had during the you know Mm. the actual performance that like makes or breaks it being from great to amazing you know Yes, that's actually a like, in that's kind of the school of thought and a lot of like acting, I guess. Um, oh my gosh, methods, uh, specifically just the moments of inspiration. It's you're doing a scene and you, you can prep it and you do it a certain way, but sometimes just you're in the moment and something comes to mind and it's out there kind of wild. That's why like there's so many moments that are when they're improvised and they get kept in movies and you're just like, wow, that was that was brilliant and it's like it wasn't in the script and it's mm-hmm. just can a computer recreate that or mm-hmm. i think that's something that's strictly human and because of that it would just be lost and some of that movie magic would be lost too yeah i mean i think there's like a lot of very interesting discussions around like ai art right now and like these stem lords thinking that like oh just because it looks nice doesn't necessarily mean it's you know art in the way like art i think has an aspect of humanity to it that Absolutely. is something that a computer just can't create. Like Dolly is something that is just like a AI project for like creating whatever you like type in in the query, and uh, and it will you know spit out an image. But like, is that art? Not really. You're just telling it to do something. Um, like it doesn't really have the humanity aspect. And artists, like good artists, will have those you know spur of the moment. Uh, bouts of inspiration that like you know only will come in the moment and that's what humans are good at is improvising yeah and i think it's just like that it's the appreciation of brilliant like we know how smart machines can be and obviously they're not inherently smart but how smart they can become based on our programming Mm -hmm. for example when we were talking about uh chess and how they can basically computers can now kick humans butts in chess Yeah. yeah that's great that's awesome but it's a machine that can you know, run experiences in milliseconds mm-hmm. that a human would pick up over years and years. So it's a testament to the human spirit that we're able to, you know, paint, 
an act because we are such basic creatures, whereas technology can do things so much quicker. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, I think it is, that is something that is just not, it's, it's, I value human output over, you know, machine output. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I I was going to just say, yeah, yeah, chess is like a good example. Like chess is like a kind of like a binary game or like, yeah, it's like, it's just an eight by eight board. Um, and there's like millions upon millions of moves, but like a computer can just like calculate it like instantaneously, depending yep. on like the processing power. I mean, they have cheat engines right out there uh, that like can tell a player like this is the next best move, like guaranteed, because these things are just so. It's because chess is a game that's like easily pro like programmable for like an AI to like figure out what the best move is, because it's gonna see like that move and then it's gonna play out the game like. T- in 50 different ways or thousands of different ways and determine this is how you win. <laughs> like, yeah, dude. <laughs> Craziness. And like craziness. chess is, chess is a competitive binary game in a sense. And like, mm-hmm. and it's very different than like creating art. So. Yeah. It's like, do you want to be told the answer? Or do you under, do you want to understand how it is the answer or why it is the answer? Mm-hmm. And I mean, people will fall into both schools of thought. Some people will be like, well, an AI, what's the difference between an AI and a human based painting? I'll just buy whichever one is cheaper. But mm-hmm. I think there is something to be said about the human process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, dude. It's crazy. I mean, we're living in 2022. Feels like sometimes 3022. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe how quick technology advances? Yeah. And I mean, Dude, they started using this stuff, you know, a while back. But just how how much CRISPR it's gotten over the years, mm-hmm. I can't imagine where we're going to be in another decade with yeah, this. AI technology becomes widely used. AI technology is getting very advanced very quickly as we're getting better at training models and stuff like that and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's so much research into it because there are a lot of good applications for it. I just yep. don't think AI really belongs in the arts and kind of steering away from the overall conversation but uh yeah it's just that's just my take no i i totally agree with you there all right palmer is there anything else you'd like to add on this topic watch out for ai people fight the machines (laughs) (laughs) fight the machines intimidate (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it all right yeah yeah screw it no i i think it does have good applications just not in the arts, baby. Not in the arts. Yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening. This has been the What You Got podcast. We're your hosts, Charlie Bud. Joined with me, as always, is Jordan Palmer. You can catch our podcast every Monday evenings, wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to drop a follow so you can stay up to date when new episodes drop. Follow us on social media. Palmer, why don't you let them know where they can hit us up? You can hit us up on Instagram at What You Got Podcast, what you spell W H A T C H A, or on Twitter at What You Got Cast, what you spell the same way. And let us know your thoughts regarding this news about, you know, utilizing voice actors or actors' likeness in movies. On our next episode, we're going to be reviewing The Banshees of Inishirin, the new movie directed by Martin McDonough, the guy who did three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri and in Bruges, I believe, starring Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. It's about a friendship broken up, a very dark style, but I think it's kind of got like that darkly comedic tone to it, so I'm excited. 
Get ready for I that one, everybody. And until next time, catch you all later. <laughs>